0: Hi, friends. Before I jump into this week's episode, I just want to give you a quick update. So many principals I'm talking to all over the nation, and I know there are Principal Matters listeners internationally are managing school from a distance. And so before I jump into this week's episode, which is part three of my conversation with Jen Schwanke about her new book, Reboot for Principals, and how you can be maintaining your own motivation as a lead learner, I want to share a quick conversation I have with Chris Leglider, principal in Kansas, who just gives an update on how his school is approaching distance learning. We recorded this over the weekend, so just a heads up on this conversation that maybe will inspire you in the work that you've been doing, if you have a chance to even listen to this as busy as you've been. We actually recorded this on my phone app, so you're going to hear my volume is actually much lower than Chris's, so I apologize for any technical difficulties in hearing, but he's got some great feedback. But I appreciate you so much. And let me play this before I jump into the episode with Jen. Well, I'm talking to Chris Leglider, who is in Kansas. And Chris, remind us what school you're at. And um, you've been on, you've chatted on principal matters before, but tell us uh, where you are again. And I'd love to hear an update of what's been going on with your school because Kansas is getting ready to start distance learning.
1: Yes, I'm at uh, Leewood middle school and we're a middle school grade six to eight in uh, suburban Kansas City and we've been the past week our staff has been kind of preparing Lessons for uh, the virtual continuous online learning that we will start here on uh, March 30th. This past week. I think the biggest thing that we focused on besides teachers getting their lessons ready was just most important i think it always comes back to people so we spent a lot of time through zoom with our staff i spent a lot of time calling teachers texting teachers Um, our district administrative team had a lot of zoom meetings so there was a high priority on connecting uh, with people and i sent out two videos to our families and our students just to really connect with them because i felt like that is Important thing I can do as a building leader is just connect with our kids and our families. Um, and they were for different purposes. You know, the first one was all about connecting. And the second one was more helping them to understand uh, what the learning plans going look like.
0: Wow. <laughs> Thanks, Chris, for saying those things. Um, I'd love to rewind a little bit. So when you found out that you guys were going to go to distance learning, I know Kansas has a good plan that you've been um, it kind of gives a roadmap for like how to prepare. So you guys literally spent this last week. Prepping for this coming week when you're going to implement the distance learning. So, so what a great idea to send the video to your parents. It sounds like you did it twice. So, um, talk a little bit about what was that format like? Were you doing YouTube? Were you doing Vimeo? How, how did you share that so the other principals might think about ways they can be connecting with their family.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And we are fortunate as a district, our secondary schools, like our middle school, we've been using a learning management system called Canvas already. Um, We're in, I think, year three of it now. So there's an easy feature in there where you can create um, a video and send it out as a link. So my first video is just through Canvas. And um, there's a way for a person like myself to send it to families, but also through Canvas, send it to your students. So I did that. But in the second video, um, my assistant principal and I, we did a Zoom lesson and we recorded it. And so the second one we did through Zoom and we recorded it and sent the link to our families. And that one was mainly like a Q&A. She was asking questions about their learning plan um, as a student or maybe a family would be curious. And I answered it as a staff perspective. And our thought there was just to really make sure that people are informed as we get ready to start. Wow.
0: I love that. So you are so here we are. It's we're in the weekend, the weekend before uh, the live. And you're sitting in your house, and I'm sitting in my house. So how how does it feel, man, to be a distance learning principal because you're not physically with your people? And I know how much you love connections and relationships. So how are you handling that?
1: You know, I'll be honest. That is the hardest thing. Is that I think most educators we are all about relationships, and it a few days to really understand the relationships are still there and it's all about now understanding how do i adjust to still connect with people and so as the building leader you know like i said those videos is one way to connect Um, i spent some time yesterday calling a few of my families one on one on my phone just to connect Um, so i think it's all about still understanding you know through you, you can still write a note and mail it to someone's residence so i think connecting relationships are still important, but I think that looks so different now in the virtual world, and that's what I'm trying to adjust to as a leader is um, focus on what I can do, not what I can't do.
0: Yeah, so Chris, you lead a middle school, and if you don't mind, I'd like to dig into the nitty-gritty just a little bit on some of your learning plans, because um, as I've talked to Oklahoma principals and principals outside of my state across the U.S., it just sounds different to everyone, and I think that's because every community is different, but What's that gonna look like for you guys, or at least, and I know you're just, when you jump into this, you immediately will run into like, hmm, well this works and this doesn't work, but what's the initial plan for um, content delivery and what's the focus for teachers?
1: Yeah, that's, I think, one of the questions our district leadership and the state uh, department really wrestled with early on and and a really a big, I got a big uh, kudos or credit to our district leadership. They did a great job because they set our buildings and our families up, teachers up for success. really what we're going to look at is doing uh, with middle schools at least is a every other day block schedule so now that's not what we currently run when we're in our brick and mortar building but for the virtual world we thought the best thing we can do for our kids give them some type of a format a structure a routine and at the same time give our teachers and students some flexibility within that because everybody has different challenges so uh, basically, um, class periods like hours one, three, five, and seven, and nine meet on Mondays and Wednesdays. Tuesday and Thursdays are hours two, four, six, eight. And what the State Department has told us is that kids cannot do more than 30 minutes of classroom work per class period per day. Mm-hmm. So the way we set it up, you know, as an example, like second hour class may go from nine to ten o'clock. Well, the kids aren't going to be working from nine to ten o'clock, but within that hour, they should spend probably 20 to 30 minutes on an instructional activity. But there's also time in there for them to get away from their computer or the activity, take a mental break, physical break, and then come back in at 10 o'clock for the next class. And it's all set up through the learning system that we use, which is Canvas.
0: So, Were you able to, that sounds like a great plan, by the way. I like, I like how you've broken it into blocks so that that schedule seems a a lot more um, doable. What are you doing about um, kids or families without technology? Or it sounds like the majority of your school is able to use technology.
1: Yeah, we we were fortunate. We're already a one-to-one um, district um, at the secondary level. But I will tell you, like um, before this all happened, we already had. Um, if families told us they didn't have Wi-Fi at home, our district reached out to them and provided hotspots. So we were really like, um, and without knowing it, we were prepared for this to an extent, but I think, you know, we're still dealing with, um, we have Chromebooks and we're still dealing maybe where a kid's Chromebook is at the building. You know, they left it at the building when on spring break, we did not know this was going to happen or their device is now broken, you know? Mm -hmm. So we're still dealing with some of those, um, little logistics, important things. And, Mm -hmm. and that's Where we're we're telling people just be patient give grace and that you know we'll work out uh, a plan and we'll work with you Um, the biggest thing we've told families in terms of content is that our teachers you know what they spent this past week on was trying to pick out the most essential uh, standards or skills that they can focus on and basically we have eight to nine weeks coming up of learning online. And if they're going to meet twice a week, they basically have like 16 sessions of 30 minutes or a total of eight hours. And so we told our teachers, if you saw your classes for eight hours, how can you narrow down the skills to the most essential? Um, And we're not really focused on grades. Um, We're going to focus on how can we get kids engaged? How can they become connected through discussion boards, choice boards, how can we give feedback? Those are the things we're really focusing on with our teachers.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I was going to ask you that question for grades, um, because I know that's a question, especially at the secondary level. And in a, in some of the high school people that, that I talk to are trying to figure out what that looks like. And I think the number one goal I'm hearing from people is whatever you do, The goal is to engage and make sure that none of the outcomes of this are punitive. You know, this is not, you know, so some, some schools are talking about trying to freeze grades where they are and give kids a chance who were behind to do work, to, to raise those grades. Um, Some schools I'm talking to, I hear people talk about, you know, completions or um, what are some things you guys are thinking about when it comes to um, how to record that, Cause I know in a few weeks you're going to be getting to the end and you're going to be like, okay, what do we put on their records? Have you had that
1: yet? Yes. And, and I'll be honest, you know, at a middle school, it looks much different than like a school. Um, so I I'd have to go back into the plan for our high school folks, you know what they're doing, but I know school, what we're focusing on is once again, getting the kids engaged, in learning experiences where some of those skills can, they can be um, learning and working on, but as far as grades, what we've told our teachers and families, their third quarter grade is their fourth quarter grade, unless they demonstrate in this fourth quarter that they perform higher. Then they can use that higher grade as their fourth quarter grade. So we're trying to really focus on the grade, but if kids do demonstrate they're performing higher then we will put that as their fourth quarter grade. Um, middle schools have a little more flexibility because it's not on like the high school transcript which colleges look at and what we've been telling our teachers because i know they feel a lot of responsibility a lot of burden to cover the standards um, just because they care so much is that their best as a teacher will be good enough and throughout the country next fall or whenever we return everyone's going to be in the same boat. Everyone's going to have to change those lesson plans a little bit that they typically did in August or whatever to adjust. And we're all going to be in it together. So it's okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, I'm going to take a uh, move, move to a global perspective for a second, Chris, because um, you know, you and I both talk a lot about leadership and it's just so profound to think about, the implications of a global pandemic i mean when i think about my own children my kids who are you know middle school through college are, you know gen z's and so they're you know the the point of history that kind of started their trajectory it was 9 11 and i think so much about what's going on right now how this will probably mark the, the next generation of kids and we have really no idea because we're in the middle of it, you know, to, to know what that trajectory is going to look like. But um, so I'm just curious what thoughts you've been having as you look across, um, you know, just personally, what things have you been thinking about as you've been cooped at home like I have working virtually and, and but also being like immobile, you know, unable to like go anywhere, but just around your own community.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a time where. You know, a lot of thoughts run through my head about like what you shared, like what will it look like, how will we function. I do think like schools and and educators, we're going to come out of this better than ever because we're going to be become, we're going to become more flexible, we need to be, but also we're probably going to be more adaptable with um, online learning, Uh, not that that's going to ever replace the brick and mortar face to face, but I think it will help us. And I just think that like as a leader, it's gonna help me to remind myself it still comes back to people. And what our families and our teachers is when this is all over, the most important thing is I think how we treat each other. So I think it's still back to those human relationships, human skills, but it, it is gonna look and change schools probably for the better. It's gonna impact that uh, change process a little quicker.
0: Well, and, and you and I both love technology um, but sometimes I hate technology and so there's this love-hate relationship with a tool that can be used um, and be used and so it, for me this last week it's been really um, encouraging to think about the redemptive uses of technology because I've seen people using it in so many ways that have been productive that think about if this had happened 10 years ago you know think of it if this had happened 15 years ago there's no way you and I would be doing this right now we couldn't be zooming a conversation to through our iPhones that I'm recording at my breakfast table, you know, while you just got back from a run, um, this just wouldn't have happened. And, uh, and it's the same thing with our teachers. The fact that we can log in and have conversations with 50 or hundred or 300 people at a time is just profound. Um, and so I think that the we're at a time when this happened, where we actually have capacity to help more people than we would have. And we're not going to reach every kid. You know, I've talked to, I talked to a great principal, Don Parker, who's in Chicago. A, a couple of days ago, and you know, he's got students who don't have access to technology, or maybe they don't even have a stable home environment. You know, they're or they're being raised by a grandparent. So that's where I think principals have to really think about the community that they're serving, and you know, how can we go through these next several weeks, connecting, 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 engaging, 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 making sure people feel taken care of, and helping them have some learning in the process, but. Um, But learning really is going to become secondary to making sure people, that that their safety and well-being are first. So I'm sure you guys are doing food services. Um,
1: What does that look like for your community? Yeah, you brought up something that really, you know, when we first got the news in Kansas that schools were closed brick and mortar for the rest of the year. I mean, we understood the why behind that decision. It was the right choice decision to be made. Um, But then there were so many like, oh my goodness, how are students going to get food how are we going to provide the counseling services that we were already doing? Um, how are we going to provide some of the clothing that sometimes families picked up? And, and so I think schools, um, at the very least, society will be reminded just schools do so much more than teaching academics. That is important. It's a small portion of what many schools are now doing and facing. And just on social media, um, through the people I'm connected with, you've probably seen pictures how Schools, like in our district, they are providing food for families throughout the week at certain locations, Um, and I'm just really appreciative of the people behind the scenes that are doing that and, you know, sometimes even just food, it's uh, providing deodorant and some of those products, hygiene products that families need that we're still finding ways to get it to them. I know yesterday in our you know some districts their families who don't have wi-fi they're providing at some basic minimum like paper packets so there's still some learning and the bus company was actually delivering the packets to the people's front porch so it's, it's just amazing i think when behind the scenes the work that school leaders are doing to do their very best for families and i know the families are appreciative too I, it, there's so many challenges I, Based today's age to support young people, that when this happens, it reminds the magnitude of the impact of what schools really do. Yeah,
0: that's so powerful. Well, Chris, thank you so much for sharing with principals updates from what's happening in your part of the country. I so appreciate your leadership, and I'm looking forward to hearing how that first week goes. Thanks for doing what matters. Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 188. Hi friends, this is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're back with our co-host, Jen Schwanke, as we talk about Maintaining Balance, Part Two. Jen is the principal of Indian Run Elementary and the author of two books, You're the Principal Now What? and The Principal Reboot, Eight Ways to Revitalize Your School Leadership, which just came out this month. Jen, congratulations on your new book.
2: Thank you so much. It's a labor of love. But it's nice to actually hold a copy, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I want to encourage you Principal Matters listeners to go online today. And if you haven't already picked up Jen's book, Jen, where, where can they find your book?
2: They can find it at ASCD, which is the publisher of the book, and also, of course, on Amazon.
0: Awesome. Well, this week, we are going to be talking more about some of the principles that you share in your book you know, how to revitalize your school leadership. And last week, we talked a lot about reconnecting with our why, trying to maintain balance in our leadership. And and we wanted to continue that conversation because, Jen, I think it's so important that in our work, that we connect outside of our work things that will help us stay motivated in our work. And I wanted you to start today's conversation with your own story of what are some ways that you've been discovering how your outside experiences Influence your right. own work.
2: Right. This is a topic you and I have talked extensively about, Will. And I, I speak to principles about balance as well, but it's a very fine line between becoming a lecture you know, you go to your doctor and he tells you, well, you need to eat better and you need to sleep better and you need to lose some weight or whatever. And you walk away feeling lousy, right? Um, and, And that's not what you and I want this to be. We want this to more feel like empowerment or show you that it can be done in your own way. So I think the suggestions we're throwing out today, it's important to note, we're not saying do this. We're saying do your version of this, whatever that looks like. My story about this is I was so lucky to grow up how I did. We had zero money. My parents were true. They they were living in poverty on a farm, just doing the best they could. But I had horses. Mm-hmm. And that's because we had land and we had pasture. And I, li- I lived a free, wild, delicious childhood mm-hmm. on the back of my Arabian mare, Belle. And so I started to tell my daughter these stories and she would just get cross-eyed with desire to have a horse. Well, we don't live in a in a situation where that can happen, I thought. Well, long story short, we ended up after some time with horseback riding lessons. we did lease her a horse this, this winter. And you want to talk about balance. That was something that I have really grown living this experience, not just with her, but having to go out in the cold and crack ice off the water buckets and bring that animal in out of the cold and saddle her up and and ride her and help my daughter learn to ride. And so that's a story about balance that kind of came way back from my childhood. I bring it up because I think things that we loved as a child are still there in us. And so if you're feeling as a principal, like you you're adulting a little too much. You've grown up so much. You're carrying so much responsibility. You have control of nothing responsible for so much. I think it might help to think of what, what did you love as a child? What made you just fly with happiness and, and dreams and excitement? Because that might be a way to start, get back to who you were when you were your, when you were feeling really good about the world.
0: Ah, uh, Jen, that's bringing back a memory. I think I've shared with you before, but I'm just going to share this with Principal Matters listeners again. If you've not heard it, or maybe it's been a while, but I'm having this memory of sitting in my living room. I grew up out in the country too, so we didn't have a lot of you know stuff. But I remember having a big cardboard box that had somehow been delivered to the house, or my mom or dad had brought in from town, and um, cutting out the front of that box and turning it into a television set <laughs> and and getting inside of it and making my own TV shows. And then when I discovered a tape recorder, you know oh, what, those what those were? I would turn on that tape recorder and record my own radio shows where I was the weatherman and the news guy and I would do commercials and jingles and sing songs. And so I would make my own radio shows. And who who would have guessed Look at
2: you know.
0: now! <laughs> <laughs> We're 189 episodes right. in this podcast. And now I get to play with recording stuff and I get to share stories and I get to host a show. And so I want to just park there for a second, Principal Matters listeners. And I know you probably, if, if maybe you're new to the show and you're thinking, what is, the heck does this have to do with school leadership? It has a lot to do because Jen and I have been talking for several series about ways that you can stay inspired in your own work so that you can inspire others. And one of the ways that you can stay inspired is by connecting outside of your work with those things that bring you joy. So just park there for a minute. What are some things that you've always loved to do? And are you taking time to do them? You know, Jen, for me, that's playing the piano, playing the guitar, writing music. Those are things I've done since I was a child. And I try to find ways to stay connected with that.
2: Well, and and I think it takes some imagination and it takes getting over that initial block of, oh, well, I can't do that now. I'm too busy or I don't live in the right situation, whatever. But it's not necessarily the activity, but it's the um, person that you are or that you used to be. So as an example, I live in the suburbs now. I have no business having a horse, mm-hmm. but there's a barn about 10 miles out that that it, the situation worked. And so another example is I have a friend who used to just love, love, love to cook and bake. and She would make up these incredibly ridiculous recipes. And now, what that manifests itself to her is she gives herself a half hour cooking show every day. She doesn't really have the time or quite frankly, the energy to be um, her own home chef, but she can turn off the noise for a little bit inside her own head and just turn tune into the food network, have a cup of raspberry tea and just be in that place that made her happy. So yeah. it, I, I don't think that we're saying, hey, recreate your childhood. We're saying find that little you know, twinge of fun from when you were little and bring that back into your life.
0: Yeah. Jen, just a couple of weeks ago, I was watching on NAESP. They have a great video podcast, so listeners check it out. And the hosts were interviewing a guy named Scott Hine, who's a principal at Lakeview Elementary in Yukon, Oklahoma. And Scott has been leading that school for a long, long time but he's a storm chaser. Oh. So his passion is helping during severe weather to be a storm chaser and to report back to the news stations what's going on. And, and so can you imagine how that informs oh. his work as a leader and how much his kids must love to hear him talk about that?
2: Right, right. My husband and I have this joke. We say, "Boy, people get get into all kinds of stuff, don't they?" And there's a list actually in, in the new book of things that people that I know do to help balance their principal work. One of the funniest one is, is anybody who knows anything about Ohio knows that Ohio State football is a thing, mm-hmm. and he goes and bartends on home Saturday football games, and he thinks it's a hoot. He has a great time. He makes a little bit of extra money, but that's kind of beside the point. It just immerses him in an environment that that brings him a little bit of joy and, and happiness. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, photography, dancing, yoga, music, local theater. Many, many communities have really strong local theater organizations that can use not only actors but set designers and so on. Mm-hmm travel, writing, ministry, DJ work, volunteering, fitness. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Travel agent for your friends. I, I have another friend who she says, I love putting together itineraries for people. I know some people who are, you know, they have a little bit of, of dabbling in as stylists, helping friends develop workspace or or home space areas. So mm-hmm. all of those things might be just something that that helps you balance your work of IEP, special ed, and discipline.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so my wife is loves all kinds of interesting things, but one of the passions that she's had this past year is. Making her own kombucha, and so oh, yes. who, who would have ever thought? You know, so we've right. got the big jar sitting in our in our kitchen, but she finds so much joy in, in creating new flavors. And my son's now into it. I'm sitting here with a kombucha bottle at my desk because she loves to buy kombucha and compare it to her own. And right, it's just so much fun. You're right; those things that we can do that stimulate. Right. The creativity and the love for life that we have. Man, when you walk into school and you've actually reconnected with those things that that you love about life, it gives you a little more swagger in your walk. It gives you a little more pep in your day. I just think it it reconnects you with right. and it also just reconnects you with the whys that that are happening in the people you're serving. Right.
2: And I want to make two quick points. The first is I have a tendency to obsess. I think many principals do. (laughs) So if I have something like, let's say, a really, really troublesome IEP coming up on Monday morning, I have the tendency to obsess and worry about that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so if I have something else that completely takes me away, guess what? When I walk in Monday morning for that tough meeting, I'm so fresh. My brain has not exhausted all the, potential, all the potential pitfalls of this meeting, and I've not ruined it already before it happened, and I'm much better as the leader and facilitator. And the other point I want to make very briefly, too, is when I hear things like we're presenting to your listeners now, I tend to get overwhelmed because I think I can't do all that. I, I can't make kombucha. I can't get a horse. I, there's no time. So what I want to encourage your listeners to do is pick one. Just pick something that speaks to you. Don't think this is Will and Jen saying, okay, do all these things. No, 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 no. Your thing might be going to bed a half an hour earlier. That might be your thing. But just pick one thing that will make you feel healthier and a little bit smug, maybe, like you've got it (laughs) figured out. A little bit (laughs) proud of yourself. Pick one thing. That's it.
0: I love that. And so, Jim, when we're talking about the power of balance in our leadership and it's so funny what the dichotomy I feel when we talk about balance because, because I, I almost always feel this level of like new stress like oh I need to be doing more, but I so I love it that you're just saying pick one thing but but I also think it's important to remember that actually what we're inviting you to do is to liberate yourself you yes know, to, <laughs> to, to to find a part of your day where you can just enjoy life where you're right. not doing something because you have to, but you're doing right. something because you want to, because it brings you joy. It, so I think it's important to, to pick that thing that that resonates with your heart. So, you know, right. maybe that's painting or maybe that's walking, holding the hands with the person that you love every day for 30 minutes, or maybe that's right. struggling with a child and reading that book that, that just brings you so much joy. But there's something that brings joy to your heart. Right. And, and you know that better than anybody else. And so reconnecting with that, I think is an important part.
2: I really, really so struggle in February I've always struggled in February. I go to dark places. And my husband always says, this is where we need to pick one thing to look forward to every day. And mm-hmm. here's the truth, Will. Sometimes it's simply my piece of toast. It's that. That's it. That's all <laughs> I can look forward to. But it's a thing. It's a thing that every single day you wake up and you think, well, I at least have that. And that helps me get through the dark, dark, cold days of February. Yeah. And that really speaks to the other thing we wanted to talk about, Will, which was health, yeah. you know? Taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. School cafeterias are infamous for for you know sucking the life right out of your soul. So eating right, packing a good lunch, sleeping, walking like you said with somebody that that can help you um, enjoy a bit of your day. Stepping away from those emails and texts for a little bit. Those are all ways to help you stay healthy.
0: They are, and you know, and at the risk of sounding like your grandmothers, let's just let's just stay there for a little bit because Jen, it's such an important self-care in the way that we take care of our health is such an important part of the balance that we have in the way that we lead others. And and there's all, you know, we can quote the medical science about how well-being, you know, physical well-being plays such an important part in your mental well-being, but it all goes hand in hand. And, and I've talked about this before in my own practice, but, you know, for me as a school principal, and now I do this, now that I do this work as a principal uh, director and consultant for me i had to find a rhythm of exercise that would that i could f- still have the time to do but that would be something i would enjoy and so that's going to look different for everybody but for me that was that was running and so you know i can put on a pair of running shoes and step outside in where i live and most of the time even in cold weather here it doesn't snow a lot so i can usually complete a 30 minute workout or a 40 minute workout pretty quickly just around my house And I can't tell you the number of times that I have been able to decompress from stress, just ruminate on something that maybe I'm trying to solve at work, process a conversation I've had in a relationship, come up with a new creative idea that I'd never considered before. And this year I've added the joy. We have a new dog at our house. I've added added the joy of running with the dog. And so uh, her name is Ivy and she's part Husky. And so Ivy gets to clip onto my arm by the the leash and we just run together. And so now I have this added joy of connecting with her in the mornings. And so I can't tell you how much um, emotional deposit that creates in me for the rest of the day.
2: Right, right. Those daggone dogs, they get us out even when it's cold, don't they? Oh, I have a, we got a pup too. And boy, keeping her from chewing up all the shoes takes a long run in the morning. That's, yeah. for, sure. That's so, for
0: sure. Jen, I, I want to just put you on the spot for a second and ask you for some of your practices. And I, by the way, none of us, neither of us does these things perfectly, but but everybody has their own systems, their own practices right. for, for self-care. What are some of the things that you do that keep you active?
2: Well, I've always been a runner. And then I gave it up a few years ago when I got really into hot yoga. And I'm going to tell you why I love hot yoga. It's because Mm it's 60 minutes where somebody else tells me what to do. (laughs) It's the best. So I sweat it out. I get all the toxins out. And so I do a lot of hot yoga. And then, like I said, we have, we got a dog and she was, she was chewing up every single shoe in the house. So I decided I would just wear her out. And so every morning I take her on a little bit of a run too. So Those are things that help me stay healthy. I really value that because I'm someone that if I don't, feel good, then everyone else pays for that. (laughs) I need to feel good. and So um, there are many days that I think I don't want to, but I do force it because um, it makes me much more of a clear thinker and it makes me have the endurance to get through the day. Last night, we had an event at school. I got home at 9.30 and I had been on my feet in heels from 7.30 a.m. till about 9.30 p.m. And I was wiped, but it was something I could absolutely do. And you know, there was a little bit of pride in that that right. I I outworked everyone today, and I deserve a good night's sleep as a result.
0: Yeah, that's so important. And you know, healthy practices beget other healthy practices too. And again, I know we sound like, like grandparents here, but but it affects it, it also affects the way you eat. And so you yeah. know, when I'm when I'm staying active and I'm taking care of myself, then I'm, when I look at that piece of cake or I look at that fruit, I'm a little more motivated to think, man, you know, I just worked hard to keep those calories burning. And I'm not sure I want to destroy what I just did by, by, right. intake, by intaking all this stuff that's going to make me feel worse than I did before. You know, so maybe I'm going to grab a couple of pieces of fruit here and I'm going to think about my nutrition because that's going to affect the, the outcomes too. And Jen, I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties now. So this last week I, you know, did my annual physical. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you get your heart checked and they look at your calcium levels, it also, it's also important to think about the kind of, what kind of life do you want 20 years from now? You know, right. what kind of, what kind of experience do you have? And I, you know, I have four children, two in college, one in high school and my youngest is in middle school. And it just touched my heart. Uh, last year, we were doing some hiking together and he said to me, dad, you know what? I appreciate, It's I can't believe a middle school kid said this, but so, but he, did. he said, dad, I appreciate it that you and mom stay active um, because I like having healthy parents. Yeah. And because he liked the fact that we could go with him Right. That we could do things like that. We could go out and hike together and be able to be involved with him and the things that he loves to do.
2: Right, right. And it makes it makes the younger people proud of us. I really, I think that that's really true. Go ahead, Will. No, I was gonna say, I think this
0: might be an important time to talk a little bit about with all of these suggestions and reminders of giving ourselves some grace, not, not beating yourself up when you don't do things perfectly. So right. talk about that for just a minute, Jen, because that's an important part of balance too.
2: Well, we all have that in us. Your your principal matters listeners are all probably their harshest critics. And so when we misstep, we tend to just, oh, what did I why did I do that? Why didn't I do something else? And so, you know, the the thing we need to model for others and also to keep ourselves healthy is just give yourself a break for crying out loud. There's enough critics in your world. Don't let yourself be another one.
0: Yeah. So I think it's so important that when you are looking at those Balances those practices that if you make a mistake, then you just move on. You know, exactly. Do the things that you know are good for you and also realize there's seasons. Exactly. So you might be listening to this at a season in your school where you've got a little more freedom than you did a month ago, or you may be listening to this at a season in your school where you have no freedom because you're right. just so overwhelmed with tasks that it's really hard to even think about, like eating lunch today. Right. right. So so give yourself grace. <laughs> realize that there are some seasons where you can do more in, in other seasons where you can't. So like, for instance, I can remember in busy seasons in the school semester where maybe my three miles was just a mile and a half. Right. And, or maybe it was just a quick walk around the neighborhood because that right. may have been all of the time I had, but I'm going right. to get some grace. Or maybe I didn't get to run that morning. And so instead of beating myself up about it, I just went, you know what? I didn't get to do that this morning. But exactly. The morning I will. And so I think that's important, an important part of, of encouraging yourself in those practices.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I'm thinking about your mention of slow times. You know what I do every year over holiday break? We in my district, we work a few days over holiday break, and that's a time that I really clean out my office. Mm. I purge all those things that have just been sitting there making me feel bad about myself, the stacks of papers that I need to look at. And I literally pull up one of those industrial-sized trash cans, and I just throw things in it, things that I haven't used or looked at for forever, uh, You know, to get rid of that clutter and to get rid of the responsibility that that carries. And I'm going to do a little shout-out, too, for the Workspace, I think a office that you spend time in needs to be lovely and so soft colors some pictures of people you love books that have spoken to you flowers maybe a bowl of candy, whatever it is that makes your workplace lead you to better health. We spend a lot of time in our offices and they need to be filled with positive energy. And so I do spend time on that. And a yeah. couple times a year I get rid of things and I feel so much better and lighter afterward.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I've ever told this story. And so I want to make sure I couch it in a way that doesn't sound like I was a weird boss. But when I was at my old school, we were going to have um a group was coming in to do some interviews and they wanted to use my office uh, for some camera work. Well, I, you know, Jen, I'm just not a natural decorator. I'm, you know, so my office, you know, was just very functional, but my secretary at that time, she is a great decorator. There you go. Her office always looks so cool. And she always had so many neat things on the wall. And so she, so she said to me, well, would would you like me to give your office some attention before they come in to do this? And I was like, would you please? And so she, now, the cool thing is she loved it. So she yes. actually took a part of a day and really just started taking all the things off my bookshelves, re-putting them back up in ways that were design pretty, adding some some things to the walls and the cabinets and the desk. And, and just she made my office look so much better and so welcoming for that event. And from that point on, I, I was just, I couldn't believe how much more I enjoyed working in that exactly,
2: room. Exactly, exactly.
0: And so maybe you're listening to Jen and me and you're like, I don't have... And guys, you may be thinking like I I don't have any way of making my office like right. more lovely. Well, maybe you need to ask for help because I exactly. I have, so exactly. I have a superintendent friend who his wife comes and decorates his office. She she makes sure that absolutely it's a place where he would want to be. It's very family centered. Lots of pictures of their family together. But she makes his office look beautiful. And so maybe you're not skilled in that. So you can ask someone to help you.
2: Well that's the point right there is you don't have to be good at that to make a positive working environment. And many of our colleagues, will, they've got a cinder block office mm-hmm. and they're thinking, how can I take a concrete floor and four cinder block walls and make it lovely? I can't help you with that, but I guarantee you there's someone in your building who can, who can yeah. help to make it lovely. So do that because when you walk in there at oh, dark 30 in, in the morning, you need it to really look like a place you can spend the day.
0: Sure, and um, you know I, I've talked to lots of principals too, especially assistant principals, who realize that their work, because they get bogged down with with lots of student meetings, sometimes they need to take their work outside their office. And so I have a friend who actually has a mobile office cart. So he puts his stuff on a on a cart that has wheels, and he'll push it through the building so he can go to places he loves in his building and just stand there and work. Right, and, or call right. kids, call kids to that part of the of the school to meet with him. And so it's so sometimes that workspace can be your office, but sometimes it can be moving to another location so that you create you're in the places that you want to be um where you're serving others too. So that's great feedback, Jen. Right. Good. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, other things that we may need to be updating besides our offices so that we are staying inspired in, in the work that we're doing.
2: Well, I have two I'll throw out there very quickly. You know what I do when I'm feeling down is I pull up my resume and I update it. Not because I'm job hunting. But just for fun, and go. so many times I think, oh my goodness, I have forgotten all the things I've done in this past year. So um, every year or two, I pull it out, dust it off, and um, just add some things, take away some things that now don't feel as important to me anymore uh, as I build the profile of myself as a professional. So that's a good tip. And then you and I have spoken extensively about relationships with others, but sometimes those need a little dust off too. We all have what I call the eors in our building, and sometimes I find it best to avoid those people, but that's not good for anyone. So I will update and brush off those relationships, check in and say, okay, how are you? Even the people that are the grumpiest and make me feel tired. I try to find some some value in those. My husband again has a has a great phrase. He says you as we get older and as we get busier, we have to seek the value in every relationship and every decision we make. And so there is value in all the people we work with and we can go and dig that out and find it and and feel a little bit better about our work.
0: Yeah. And so Jen, I want to come back to that conversation about updating your resume and, and that comment about what what value does this bring? Because I talk to a lot of leaders who battle what I've been hearing others call an imposter syndrome yes yes
2: where,
0: where they they start feeling this overwhelming sense of maybe I'm the wrong person for this.
2: Yes, yeah, somebody made a mistake somebody, somebody a mistake.
0: really messed up. <laughs> I surely I cannot be the person that's qualified to accomplish this goal that's in front of me and, and I think there's two answers to that statement. The first is, that if you think you're going to do it alone, you're right. You need other people to help you do anything that you're going to do. No, no person alone has the capacity to accomplish all these things. But then on the flip side of that, the second part of that question is, you're way more valuable, I think, than you often realize. And right. so, principal bachelorist, I'm speaking straight to you right now. Because sometimes I think you forget the value that you bring to the situations that you're in. When you look back at your past, the experiences that you had as a student and then as a teacher and then as a leader there are so many things in your past experiences in your resume as Jim as Jen said that point to the value that you've been able to build and create in your experience and 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 you can't that's nobody can steal that from you right. those experiences are, are things that no, no one else can take back from you. And so no matter how difficult the situation is that you're facing right now, or that you're gonna face next week, or six weeks from now, or next year, nobody can take away from you the experiences that you've had that have brought you to this moment that give you perspective on what you're gonna be doing next. And so right. sometimes I think it's so important, Jen, just to take a break, just to take a step back and rehearse those successes Absolutely. from Absolutely, yeah. Rehearse those things and remember that, heck, heck, I do have a degree in this and I have accomplished these things before and I did solve these problems before in the past or Jen like in our case you know sometimes I think even for those of us who do a lot of writing content creation that's a believe it or not for those of you that don't do this work it can be lonely work because you're you're spending a lot of time with your own thoughts and own content and words on a page And sometimes you don't get the reflections from other people of what they even know or think about that content until years later or months Years, yes, Yeah. And so sometimes I think it's important for those of us that are like content creators, or maybe you're doing work that no one else sees to just remember that there's value in that too, because there's stories that you are experiencing that if you're bold to share them out with others, they're going to find value in that too. So I don't know if I'm if I'm hitting the point on that, Jen, but I just think that's such an important reminder for people to 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 battle that imposter syndrome.
2: Exactly. It's a it's a real thing for principals. And I think it's because we spend our time, a lot of our time doing work that that really depletes us, whether it's standing in a middle school cafeteria while they tell you not to throw chicken tenders at one another, or <laughs> whether it's listening to a parent, you know, just scream at you things that aren't true and aren't fair and aren't reasonable and logical. Because we're paid to do those things, a lot of times we think, how in the world did I get here? Somebody must have made a grave mistake. But to sit down and write it down, whether it's on a resume template or even on a notebook, say, what have I done in the last year? What have I led? Where have I made a difference? And you usually walk away from that thinking, well, I'll be darned. I am legit. I belong here. So that's a good way to battle that imposter syndrome and and fight through to to believe in yourself a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, let's wrap up the conversation today with, I just wanna, before we we leave, I, I just wanna remind leaders that when they are in the process of, growth, when they're thinking about how to maintain that balance, it's, I think it's so important to realize that there is a cycle that happens within our leadership of reflection. And Jen, there's a great resource by an author named Pete Hall. He's another ASCD author like you. And he writes about the continuum of reflection and, and the importance of realizing that all of us start off first in a stage of unawareness. We, you know, We don't know what we don't know. But we begin to, through experience, learn those things, and then we, which leads us to the conscious stage where we suddenly connect with learning in a way that we've never uh, connected before, which leads to new actions. So we, we do things based on the knowledge that we now have, which should lead, and this is where a lot of leaders stop. It should lead to refinement where we stop and we reflect on, what did I just learn from that so that I can grow from it? And then that cycle starts all over again. And so I think it's important as you're listening to this conversation today, Principal planners, listeners, that you realize that we never ever figure all this out. Right. (laughs) This is something that we, we never ever figure all this out on our own, that we're constantly in that cycle of reflection where we're going from unaware to aware, to new action, to reflection, to refinement, and then it starts all over again. All over
2: again. That's right. the
0: joy of that's the joy of being a person is right. that, is that we're always growing, we're always learning, and we're always reflecting. Any other Absolutely. thoughts on that, Jen? Before we wrap up.
2: No, I think that's a lot to chew on. I think our principal matters listeners can can take that one and chew on it for a while and and come out of it a little bit better.
0: Well, principal matters listeners, thank you so much for this week's listen. Because as you think about your own balance, whether that's the things that you're reconnecting with that you loved as a child or your own health practices or how to maintain good relationships or rediscovering the value and the work and the worth of what you do. You're never going to do it perfectly, but I'm so thankful for school leaders who are out there reflecting with us, Jen, uh, because they're going to be stepping out today to influence the lives of teachers and students and make a difference in their school communities. So until next time, uh, Principal Matters listeners, thanks for doing what matters.
2: Thanks, everyone. We hope you have a great week.
0: If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.